1: And this is the Wayback Machine for Traveling Through Time. And this is my boy, Sherman. Speak, Sherman. Hello. Good boy. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's cousin, Diana, and is trying to be great holding you back in life? Maybe more than you think. So let's chat about it. Joining us today, we welcome a woman who talks about everyone's confidential money issues, Stephanie O'Connell Rodriguez. Plus, let's say hello to the first and only man to free solo El Capitan. It's, no, nah, I'm just kidding. The only thing this guy free solos is trips to the fridge. It's just Lynn Penzo. And finally, a woman who's no stranger to money adventures, writer extraordinaire, Paulette Perhatch. But that's not all. Halfway through the show, I'll share my reach out and touch someone trivia question. And now a guy who never shies away from a money conversation. It's Joe Salcihi.
0: stackers i might i might shy away from it diane if it's the reach out and touch somebody money conversation might not want a piece of that welcome to friday on the stacky benjamin show where we have a nice round table chat about a topic that's in the popular press and uh before we get there in today's topic let's say hello to everybody around the table we'll start with our well we'll have our, our guest of honor go last let's say hi to the guy who's deep under los angeles in his bunker. Mr. Len Penzo's here. How are you, man?
2: Well, I'm doing pretty good. I've uh I'm a little disappointed. I've it's, apparently DoorDash doesn't deliver to bunkers. One stop. They actually just refused to they just actually refuse to deliver now. So, I actually have to get out of the bunker and actually go to the darn Wiener Schnitzel and uh, get my corn dogs there.
0: <laughs> what is this? 2012? I mean, come on. <laughs> what are we doing? It's like the old days. Remember we had to actually go out to get our food led? Remember we had to
2: do it? What are we, hunters and gatherers? You know, I know people that they live by DoorDash now. I had DoorDash the other day. I got Kentucky fried chicken, and now I'm dropping all these names. I had Kentucky fried chicken. I got it for uh, me and my daughter. I didn't feel like leaving. And, uh, you know, it was like $70 for uh, a few pieces of chicken and uh, some uh, mashed potatoes and
0: And you're not and kidding. Corn and, this isn't a dad joke. I thought... Th- I thought there was a joke coming No, here. there's
2: no joke there. I mean, I just spent, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, geez, Louise, you know, was that really worth seventy on my couch? 70 bucks.
0: <laughs> Let's say hello to Paulette Perhatch, who is here. How are you, Paulette?
3: Hi, I'm doing great. Yeah, the number of times I've gotten to that last screen and just been like, no, Paulette. No, we're not doing that. No, No.
0: No, no. But are you like Len, where you're dropping all the big restaurant names like Kentucky Fried Chicken? <laughs> well,
3: I mean, I'm sorry, we're not all of us can be Len Penzo, just getting people to bring us Kentucky Fried Chicken.
0: <laughs> easy, easy, Whoa.
3: money bags,
0: Mister Extra Crispy himself. Yeah. By the way, Diana, hello to you. Hello, hello. Fantastic introduction. I heard from somebody that next year's economy conference. Say this isn't true. It is tickets have only been sale short time, and you are rocking sales. Oh
1: yeah. They are selling like hotcakes. Even just today, I found out that one of our hotel blocks, so we partner with two hotels, one of our hotel blocks sold out in one day. That's amazing. Yeah.
3: I was at Camp Fi and so many people were saying great things about it because everyone had just been there and then came and there was a lot of really great talk about it.
0: Awesome. Oh, we had so much fun. I highly recommend it. If you want to hang out with other money nerds and it's what economyconference.com, right, Diana? That's right. Awesome, and if you listen to the end of the show, we might give people a little something, something. But we've got the something, something here with us now. It's about time she's here for the Money Confidential podcast, which, by the way, won a flippin' Webby. <laughs> Stephanie Ocano
4: Rodriguez is here. How are you? Hey, hey. I'm so good, and I'm so hungry from this conversation. <laughs> I probably get more delivery than anybody here combined. Is
0: it all Kentucky Fried Chicken, <laughs> yeah. Stephanie?
4: I I don't. I'm vegetarian. <laughs> I'm really into just Mexican, Indian. <laughs> I really should. I should. By the end of the episode, it'll be here. It'll be a whole thing.
0: Be great. And only, you'll only have to refinance your house, take out two new credit cards just to get it.
1: Correct. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, congratulations on the Webby, like I told you on social media. That is just so kick ass because I feel like you've worked your ass off on this show and it's great to see the recognition. That's amazing.
4: Well, thank you for being on the show, That's by the way. That's probably why you won. That's probably it's, why. It obviously. Why else? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was sure I was going to destroy it. I'm like, you sure you want me? You sure you want mm. me? For the people that haven't listened yet, though, uh, talk about what you do. It's, it's with Real Simple Magazine.
4: Yeah. So Real Simple Magazine hired me to co-create and produce the show where we talk to people about their money issues confidentially while they're experiencing them. So if they have a question about something, they come on and they say, hey, you know, I have a $35,000 credit card debt that I haven't told my partner about and I'm not really sure how to have that conversation. And you know how these conversations go when you dig deeper behind the numbers. It's a lot more than numbers on the page that we wind up talking about. It's feelings of worthiness and relationships and, what expectations are and who we are as good people or moral people and what our money says about that. And so it's a lot of disentangling these feelings and you know the real circumstances of how money shows up in our life. And then in the second half of each episode I get to have people like you on Joe who come on and say, "Hey, here's how this really breaks down according to the numbers or according to the law, if we're talking about divorce, for example, or if we're talking about psychology, we'll talk with somebody who's an expert in that. So it's such a treat for me because I always consider myself you know, a facilitator of conversations. I don't have all the answers, but I want to bring in all of the perspectives and people who do, and that's what we do on the show.
0: You're such a great interviewer, and just your natural curiosity really shows in the show. So everybody should pause this right now. Go subscribe to the podcast because it's incredible. I I'm so happy you're here with us today. We're going to talk about a piece from outside magazine, which is not a place where we usually get financial stuff, which is why it's one of my favorites that we've talked about. Is it okay to be good and not great? at something sometimes we put, especially with money, put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We're going to talk about that in a second, but you know what, Stephanie, since it's your first time here, you and I have to chat about something ahead of time. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they can also be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. Oh, God. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. U.S. Cellular, a company that sells phones, wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. Wasn't that important? That was so important, Stephanie. Of course. Duh. We have Stephanie Ocado Rodriguez here, finally. Diana Merriam, um, Paulette Perhatch, Len Penzo. So let's get moving. As I mentioned ahead of time, our piece is from Outside Magazine. This is uh, a well-written piece that we'll link to in our show notes by Brad Stahlberg. The headline is, it's okay to be good and not great. What if striving to be great is what's holding you back? And Paulette, let's start with you. Do you agree with that premise? Is striving to be great wrong? Is it okay to just go, eh, gonna kind of be just okay at this?
3: You wanna talk about how I actually am or how I think I should be?
0: Well, no, let's talk about how you think you should be, actually. That's because we all are striving.
3: I was actually just talking about this with my writing group, a very important meeting where, you know, I said, This morning, I went outside to write my morning pages, get my light photons per Dr. Huberman and my eyeballs first thing. And, you know, I'm writing. I'm two and a half pages in. Then I'm supposed to have my meditation. And my neighbor walked outside, and he's been in Africa for two months doing his, like, studies. And, like, we started having this great conversation. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, like, ditch a little bit of my morning routine to, like, have this conversation with him right now because this feels like real life. This morning, I did the same thing. I walk my friend's three-year-old to school with her sometimes and like, I just learned he's not going to be going to that school next year. So like, this is a thing we do this year only. And I was like, oh, I got to like soak this up, you know? So it is this balance of presence and growth where it's like, I want to grow and I want to do great things, but I also want to enjoy the present moment. So in the best case scenario, you feel that balance. I've
0: seen your calendar, Paulette. Your calendar says you are striving to be flippin' awesome all the time, and we see it in your writing, but do you find yourself then disappointed? Because sometimes you take the break. Do you feel disappointment in taking the break?
3: No, I think because it's like, I love Jocko Willink. He's like the human opposite of me, and one of his phrases is discipline equals freedom, and I think because, because I'm disciplined-ish, and I write every day-ish, and I work out every day-ish, when I do take the break, it doesn't matter that much because I am playing that habit-long game. When I'm in my the best of me, my best self says, like, this is good enough, right? And, like, I want to – mostly I want to enjoy my life. And there are so many books coming out right now from um, – especially a few women talking about how, like, success is not the thing that – really want to go for like we want growth but really it's the journey there.
0: Stephanie, you've always seemed just as somebody from afar who sometimes puts a lot of pressure on yourself to do great things. <laughs> do do you find that striving to be great is is good or bad?
4: I have found what for me is really ideal, which is that I have a lot of striving, I have a lot of ambition, but I'm also very happy and I'm very content. And I think it took me a long time to figure out what that took. And part of it was really disconnecting this idea of striving from the idea of being the best. I think the idea of the best or perfection, whether it's in our money or in our careers or wherever space we're in, is just really antithetical to growth that feels authentic and connected to your own uniqueness and your own strengths and finding the things that you value and I also find that it's a very narrow view to Paulette's point. Success is not one metric, and I have found that when we get caught up on a singular metric instead of having a well diversified portfolio, if you if you have it nice. uh, of things that bring us meaning and joy, that's when things get really out of balance. So I'm always considering you know not striving to be the best at the things. I love so much as how do I build a life how do I build a lifestyle that I love and that's not solely comprised of my financial success it's not solely comprised of my career it's not solely comprised of my relationship or my social circle if my entire identity was on one of those things whether it was my money or my relationship that would be a problem i would have a lack of diversification oftentimes this conversation especially these days is often presented in a binary that like ambition isn't working and it's burning people out. And so we should not be that. And I, I think it's flawed. I think what we really need to be is, you know, disconnecting from this idea of perfection or the best. And I think we need to be more well-rounded in the way we build towards the things we're striving toward.
0: Yeah. I'm going to want to talk more about that in a second, but first you have a background. I'm just realizing you, you have a background in acting and in the theater too, right?
4: Yeah, and that has really informed a lot of my perspective.
0: (laughs) Well, well, no, what I'm saying is, is that the bad stuff you talked about at the beginning of your discussion on this, I mean, how much rejection do you go through? And you've no idea. So I feel like you're always like, how am I the best? How do I make sure I'm better? How am I better? I got to be better. I got to be better. And and you're not better for you as much as you're better for whoever this arbiter of, you know, who's giving the part out is. That's got to... I know that only secondhand because I worked in television and our anchors on TV were always like that. They're always looking behind them, looking for the stab in the back.
4: Well, and that's exactly it, right? The best is also just an arbitrary metric, right? right. As, if you've worked in creative spaces, even what we're doing here, what is the best? Right?
0: Probably this episode right now. us, duh. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Obviously this exact yeah. moment in
3: this exact episode. And I just wanted to add that like I truly started to really feel that I was in community when I didn't need to be the best, right? Striving to be the best in a way is antisocial behavior, right? Where like, Mm -hmm. like I remember where I lived in South America, everyone would kind of have the same, like, if you saw like 20 strawberry stands, they would be like, everyone would be the same. And we're like, what about writing like the best strawberry stand? And they were like, well, that would be really rude to my neighbor to say that, right? So instead of being like, I personally want to be the best, like writing in a writing group and having a writing community, you can see yourself as like, instead of like a singular flower in a vase, like I need to be the very best one, one of many flowers in a field of flowers and to truly feel joy when your friends succeed and people make beauty and just being a part of that bigger ocean and just a small wave in it and not being so egocentric. And I go back and forth you know, where like everyone's announcing their book deals and stuff like that. Again, like when I'm, when it's two seconds after I've meditated, I'm like (laughs) in the flow and everything. And then of course we fall back into ego and then being in community really helps. So
0: well, is I think really part works. of the issue there, Paulette, is that it is a fine line. I mean, on mm-hmm. some way, you want to strive to be good at what you do. I want this to be a quality product that I bring to the world. You do at the same time, <laughs> but at the same time, the collaborative nature of what we're doing here now means that you want to be a flower in the field. Mm-hmm. You know, to use your analogy, I use that yeah. analogy all the time. Uh, Joe <laughs> wants to be a flower in the field. That's my goal. A
3: beautiful ball flower.
0: Len, I was going to ask you, you know, Paulette is an entrepreneur. Stephanie is, but I don't know. Are, are you an entrepreneur? Do you work for Real Simple? Or are you hire How does that work?
4: I'm a contractor, so yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah so you are an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Len, you're a guy as an aerospace engineer your entire career, working in a field with other people, striving to be great. Where did this piece hit you? What do you think about striving to be great versus, you know, being okay with maybe not being
2: well, I think it's okay to strive to be great. I mean, that's natural human desire. I think we all want to be as great as possible. The key is to not try to be perfect and being good, you know, so be great, but don't try to be perfect because that can actually, you know, you'll never get to be perfect. But a lot of people try to be perfect and I think they confuse the two. So, you know, you got to jump in there and you got to just start going. The The role to even becoming great, you got to start. You're probably not even going to be good to begin with. But if you don't get going, uh, you'll never get to great. So don't be afraid to jump in there and make mistakes. And a part of that process, uh, you know, mistakes aren't a bad thing. People tend to think, oh, you know, I might make a mistake. Well, you know what? You're going to learn from that mistake. That mistake helps you grow and uh, it, it helps you get better. And it's not bad. It's just, it's part of life. It's part of the process. And it's something you have to do and not be afraid of.
0: But I feel like the job that you worked in, you know, you can't say, it's just one rocket. Who cares if it went down?
2: (laughs) Like, Let me tell you something. There are different people in life. There There are what we'll call the experts, the masters of certain things. And then there are other people who are just as important. And they're the jack of all, you've heard the term jack of all trades, master of none. But those people are important too. Those are people who have actually learned to delegate, refer to the masters, but in the goal of getting something done, getting a project completed, you're the one who knows who to go to and how to get them to do what you need to do. Jacks of all trade, masters of none are very important people and they're not experts at anything. They're not great at anything, but they're good at knowing what to do and who to contact. Yeah,
0: you need that person who's the connector. I mean, people that are great at connecting the pieces of people who are great.
2: Well, yeah, you have to know, that because I see a lot of people that make mistakes. They don't know how to delegate, and they fail because they don't know. They try to take on jobs that they should be delegating. And you'd be much more, you have to make that decision, is it more efficient for me to try and jump into this project and do a certain task on my own and learn it on the fly? Or should I delegate it? I mean, you can lose money by not, it's cheaper to delegate certain things than try and take it on yourself. So it's a balance. You have to kind of measure things.
0: I think that's funny, Len, because especially finance nerds, right? We're like, no, I'm not going to spend money in that. I'll just go ahead and do it. And it is funny. I'm smiling because I was part of a swim club with my kids. They swam on this, this local, you know, community pool. And I was in charge of a certain area and I remember the club president going, hey, Joe, how's this thing coming? I'm like, oh, I got to do this, 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 this. And he literally, I was good friends with him. And he was an older guy, puts his arm around me and goes, Joe, when I put you in charge of it, that didn't mean I wanted you to do it. And I went, yes,
3: duh, duh. <laughs> I, this is my number <laughs> right. one soapbox, especially with my writer friends who are in their 40s and 50s writing for the New Yorker, killing it and doing every single thing themselves. I'm like,
0: psh, psh, psh. let some of it go. Yeah. Let's let, yep. let some of it go. Diane, I want to turn to you it's for a hard, second. Though.
2: Yeah. Len. I was going to say it's hard for some people. Some people think they have to do it. Controlling people. They've got to be in charge of everything. And they're actually doing themselves a disservice. Yeah. You, you do. You have to let go. I
0: actually sure. heard a late night radio talk show host guys. He it was a financial show. It's, it's long off the air. Bruce Williams is his name. Some of our listeners might remember Bruce he was just a fantastic host. He always talked about the power of delegation about how far are you going to get if you only have these two hands? You're not going to get anywhere. And even if it's done worse, it's done. I mean, at least you're you're making moves. You can't do anything if you just rely on those two hands. Diane, I want to turn to you for a second because I think about pressure in your life to be great. First of all, you bring out this conference different than what anybody else has created. So the first year, there's some pressure to not suck, right? I would think because every all the eyes are on you. But and after that you're year,
3: totally fine. And then... <laughs>
0: And then, but no, but then Paulette, I'm thinking that after year number one, what happens, you nail it. And so in year number two, people like, okay, how's she going to beat that? And then of course, now you've got these sign-ups, like every, I feel like the pressure doesn't go away.
1: Yeah. How do you, how are you okay with good and not great? Well, this is so interesting that we're talking about this today because I think, you know, we just came out of my third event that happened last, you know, last month, March, and Leading up to it, I crumbled under that pressure and I was not doing well. I saw you, do.
0: I, I saw you at PodFest.
1: Yeah, I and, was not
0: doing well. And you told me that you weren't doing well and you could see it all over you. It was, I, I just wanted to give you a big hug as uh, a friend. I just felt so.
1: But, you know, I did it to myself because it was this self-imposed pressure and I, I think that I just feel such a sense of responsibility to people that are, they're spending a lot of time and money. They're finding childcare for their kids. They're coming for, they're flying to Cincinnati. You know, 70% of our audience comes from afar. It's not a local event. It's a national conference. I do it mostly by myself. Now I have figured out different areas that I can outsource, but here's the thing that shocked me. I felt like I was failing the last five months leading up to the event. I basically didn't do anything like 90% of the stuff on my to-do list that I thought I really had to do. I didn't do it because I crumbled under the pressure. And then I showed up to the event and guess what? It was fine. It was better than fine. It was awesome. It was magical. And what that says to me is that I overcomplicate my work. And a bunch of the stuff that I think I have to do, I actually don't have to do it because I didn't do it and it turned out fine. And so I am really processing that now and trying to approach my work differently in challenging the assumptions that I have when I put something on my to-do list. These things that we think that we have to do, do we really? What would happen if we just didn't do those things? Maybe you'll show up to your work and it'll turn out fine. <laughs> you know? And what I realized about this event, first of all, this community is incredibly generous and friendly and open-hearted. And a really close friend that I actually just hired as my coach, she said to me two months before the event, all the people want is to gather together and be together in community. And you've already done that. You have a venue, you have a schedule, you sold tickets, you've got speakers. The work is already done. Nobody cares about your perfectionist, like making sure the footprints from the I mean, people do like the footprints from the hotel. I do like the, the footprints. <laughs> but no, but like if they weren't placed perfectly 10 feet apart, no one would notice that, right? It's like I get so wrapped up in these details that in the grand scheme of things don't matter. What matters is relationships. I think I am just coming to this place of really finding a lot more joy in my work because I'm prioritizing the right things now, and it's the people.
0: I think that's a great place to leave uh, this discussion. For a moment, in the second half of this discussion, what I really want to do, now that we define the problem how it can be a problem for us, I think we've alluded to some of our solutions. But I want to talk about fighting through procrastination, about how we get stuff done. And can we, if we don't think we're good with money, right? That's an area where we think we have to be great. How do we duct tape that? Like, what are the parts that matter? And how do we get through that without having to feel like we're a money genius? But before we get to that, at the halfway point of every Friday show, we have this year-long competition going on between our three frequent contributors, Paulette Perhatch, Len Penzo, and O.G., Stephanie, today you're playing the part of OG. I'm so happy you're here and not OG. I I won't say that with him around, however, Mm. between us, with nobody listening to the show. I've got some good news and some bad news for you, Stephanie.
4: Mm.
0: Which one would you like first?
4: Bad always first.
0: Well, the bad news is, is that although OG has won the last two years in a row this competition, he is in last place And somehow, well, I know why, because Paula Pant hasn't been here for a while and she's perennially in last place. Paulette's (laughs) taken charge. She has five. Len Penzo has five. OG has four, which means, Len, since you've taken second the last two years in a row, Len's going to go have to guess first. Paulette, you're guessing in the middle. Mm. And uh, Stephanie, then you get to guess last. All righty. All right. So we need a trivia question. Diana, what do we got today?
1: Stackers, I'm Joe's mom's cousin Diana and today we're talking about how being good with where you're at can lead to great things. Speaking of great accomplishments, on this day in history, an American inventor, Nathan Beverly Stubblefield, who described himself as a practical farmer, fruit grower, and electrician, we sure this isn't Lynn Penza, was the first person to patent a wireless phone. I wish I could tell you that he made tons of Benjamins off his patent But although he was first, getting his phone to market wasn't his strong suit. And he later went into seclusion, where he died. On the bright side, his work is getting a shout out on the Stacking Benjamin Show. So he's got that going for him. My question for you is, what year was the first wireless phone patented? I'll be right back after I ask Joe's mom if she's got any empty green bean cans and some string.
0: That's going to go well. I figured out... Did, did you guys do that as a kid? Stephanie, did you do that as a kid?
4: I have no idea what you're referencing. The
0: kid, you took a little can, <laughs> and you took some string, and if you stretched it, oh. the tension in the line would make it so you could hear each other. My brother I was, and I would do uh, this. I was caught
4: up on the green beans. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I know what you're talking about now.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't
4: eat green beans from a can, FY. She's like, and
0: pass. her <laughs> pass. Well, good news is the can's already empty, so... You get to you get to do that. Anybody do that, Len? You must have done that.
2: Oh, of course. Yes, absolutely. That, actually, that was my actual phone back in uh, back, <laughs> back in twenty twenty one. No, back in my college days. Yeah, that was the only thing I could afford. So,
0: uh, Len, you are first the wireless phone.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, something tells me that there was a patent was done many, 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 many moons ago. I'm gonna say nineteen. 19- 1941.
0: 1941. Product of the war?
3: A wartime invention, Len?
2: Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe.
3: Paulette, what do you think? Wireless phone. So it didn't have to work. It just had to be the idea for it. If it's a patent, it's just the idea. Yeah. I will go 1951.
0: 1951. So Stephanie, got this 10-year field goal there.
4: Yeah, is there a Price is Right situation here? There is or? not. There used to be, and believe it or
0: not, Stephanie, we had some stackers get angry. They're like, yeah. I don't like the Price is Right thing. <laughs> Stephanie would say the year one. I'm going to go with the yeah, year one. right? It's the little thing. I'll go thing. with
4: that. Uh, I don't know anything about this stuff. I'll just go all on a limb and say 1960.
0: 1960, all right. We've got them locked in 1941, 1951, and 1960. We'd love to tell you who's right, but we don't play that way. We will be right back. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. we can work on our goals together and our budget, and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. and now you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out. Like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey, stackers! this is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means? We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience my good friend, Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do a shout out to. He is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, just I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there, just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? A Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want them to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh here's a disclaimer. You got to join open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it, stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open. Maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit Navyfederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things. They offer 24-7 help for their U.S.-based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to Navy Federal dot org for full terms conditions and other offers navy and federal is insured by ncua equal housing lender Len, you started off in 1941 now that you've seen the other guesses what do you think
2: i got this wrapped up you think so
0: Paul? oh are yeah. you are you cocky is, is is len overly confident
3: <clears throat> maybe not yeah i feel i feel medium Stephanie, your first time doing this, 1960. i got zero confidence. You
0: said it with a lot of confidence, though.
4: Thank you. For- I'm trained.
0: <laughs> here, here, Here we go. Let's see who is going to win today's trivia question. Diana, who's it going to be?
1: Hey there, Staggers. I'm casual caller and connector, Joe's mom's cousin, Diana. And we're going back in time to when inventor Mr. Stubblefield made his invention of the first wireless phone official by securing a patent for protection of his work. Imagine if Verizon had paid him a ton of money, or even AT&T. But I guess they were busy at the time spending money on finding blind spots in their networks so your phones wouldn't work going down major freeways. But here's the question. How far back are we going? In what year was the first wireless phone patented by Mr. Stubblefield? Well, we've got Stephanie at about 52 years away from the answer. Not bad. We've got Paulette <laughs> at about 43 years away. Damn. A little which better. Which means that Len at just 33 years away is our winner. Because the answer is May 12, 1908. Oh, my 19- God. No, I
2: would- eight I I was really thinking it was like 1920 but I wanted to give myself some space so that's why I said for so I was in I really thought it was down there way back when
0: I was so surprised you're researching that 1908 That's very Do you think it was it was 1910 before the
2: first complaint came in or the first uh <laughs> first prank phone call? I don't know. I have a couple of patents myself and it takes a while to get a patent. So I if it you if can it was a fi- dad joke it, if it was, <laughs> He really needs to. I bet you the patent was filed in uh, probably 1905 or 1904, you know, before it finally got uh, approved. Although maybe not. Maybe back then there wasn't as many patents, but who knows. But uh, or, or it but might yeah, have been a more takes,
0: streamlined process. There might not yeah, have been a bureaucracy yet.
2: These days you file a patent uh, application and it'll take five, six, seven years before it even gets awarded.
0: Paulette, so first Len is bragging about Kentucky Fried Chicken and now his patents. Like, when's this going to end?
3: I mean, that's mashed potato money right there. I'm not getting those extra biscuits at my house, but all the biscuits you want with these patents over Len Penzo. Bring them to me, peasant. Perchance I shall tip you, perchance not. I see you have no patents. We're
0: springing today on coleslaw. Coleslaw for the little people. Yes. Even the uh, veg- vegetarian or vegan, did you say, Stephanie?
4: Vegetarian. Veget- I couldn't, well, there couldn't you leave go. without the cheese.
0: You could do the coleslaw, too. <laughs> mm. You can get your... And by the way, Kentucky Fried Chicken, if you want to sponsor this show, I think we've already <laughs> done some good work for you in advance. Just uh, call our people. Time for the second half of our discussion on fighting between good and great. This is brought to you by DepositAccounts.com from lendingtree you know what happens when you go to depositaccounts.com stephanie i don't you, you find <laughs> out you find out no, that's okay cuz it is your lucky day think about your favorite holiday season this is this is going to be comparable because you go to depositaccounts.com and you find out that those savings account rates those cd rates checking account rates money market rates that you got probably not best in class they compare more than 275,000 different rates from over 11,000 banks and credit unions. They do it for free, Stephanie. How about that?
1: Well,
4: that I do appreciate. It's
0: amazing.
4: Thank I you. I literally screenshot a picture of all of the interest earned on our savings account year to date and sent it to my husband today. And I was like, look at this.
2: You're like, <laughs> <a> bang. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, does Magnify Money know that this is, uh, you know, what is this called? Deposit what? It was the Lending Tree people
0: who are their parent company who told us, Hey, you've built up Magnify Money way, way, way more than we expected. So, time to get the sister deposit accounts oh, going.
2: Okay, yes. so they're not stealing from Magnify Money.
0: No, Boy, I'm, I'm glad, Len. Len, rush into Magnify Money's defense.
2: <laughs> well, I feel a certain kinship with Magnify Money. <laughs> we've, we've, you know, they've, they've been with us for so long.
0: They are. They're our longest sponsor, and now this week it's deposit accounts. From the same company. Depositaccounts.com, people. All right. Let's jump back into this because we we talked about the problem of trying to be great and the pressure that it causes. And I want to go into procrastination. And Stephanie, uh, let's, let's start with you. Have you found that this pressure to be great causes you to do nothing sometimes? And if so, how do you fight through procrastination?
4: I am the worst person to ask about this.
0: <laughs> Which means it happens to you.
4: I am incredibly unproductive. And I actually think that uh, it's been interesting during the pandemic because I've released a lot of the shame I used to feel around that. And I think a lot of this idea of having to be great and perfect is often conflated with productivity and hustle culture and this idea that being great is, is some of the things, uh, Diana was talking about, like all the things on the checklist and what I have found during COVID and this time of space is, a lot of the greatest work I feel like I've done has happened in the last couple of years through a space of stepping back and allowing myself to not call it procrastination, but simply just be and and scale back and be introspective. And then when I am ready to create something, that's when I have to deal with the actual process of, of procrastinating. But I think sometimes a lot of procrastinating gets labeled as procrastinating when it's really a, a lot of productivity
1: yeah. and
4: that doesn't necessarily need to be done. So I think that has been the first thing for me is like telling myself that I'm a bad person because I am procrastinating all the time and I'm not productive every day. It has been something I've let go of, and that's allowed me to find the things that I want to strive towards that are more authentic to me, as opposed to being some kind of arbitrary metrics of success. Just giving yourself a little grace. Exactly. Exactly. And then there is always the problem still of, okay, when I actually... Do have something to do. I now know myself enough to know the only way it's going to happen is with an external deadline. So I just accept that. Like I have, I'm done. I am 36 years old. I am done telling myself I'm going to be a different person tomorrow who wakes up and is self motivated. I am not that person, and I'm not going to be. And that has been very liberating because now I know that. And so when people reach out to me, say. I'm not going to get that done until you tell me a date where you need this done by, because I know that about myself and it constraints force me out of procrastination.
0: Paulette, at the external deadline works really well with my ADD because mm-hmm. I find my ADD sends me into, I'm just going to learn a little bit more before I do anything. I'm just going to learn a little more. Like this idea that I need to be better educated is truly procrastination. Like I know myself and well enough.
3: Body doubling has been huge for me too. What is body doubling? Is where you have someone with you. Oh, have you, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like an accountability partner? Mm-hmm. So many times we'll just be on a Zoom call and it's just like literally me and my assistant and she's just kind of sitting there and I'm like, okay. And I'm just doing like a screen share and I'm like doing something that I wouldn't do if she weren't just like watching me do it. I'm like, sorry, you just have to watch me do this right now, but I need to do it.
0: <laughs> Is that also why you you fill your calendar so much? Because for me, the calendar keeps me on task.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's just like time blocking, you know, and like the things I should be doing every day and yeah, I just want to do a lot of things. And, but what is enough is a very good question. You know, that's hard. Yeah. I think my calendar is just very full because writers and artists tend to do a lot of things that don't, aren't very like income dense. So, you know, if I want to get up and I want to write creatively every morning for, you know, two hours and then worse like a lot, it's a lot to be an artist.
0: But I got to think too, Paulette, you're you're writing something for the New York Times. There's this propensity, which is also procrastination, which would be, I'm just going to revise it one more time.
3: Hmm. Yeah. As a journalist, yeah, that's like, you know, the deadline comes. Deadline happens.
4: Yeah. That's where constraints are a lifesaver. Mm-hmm. Even something like Instagram, which I have been kind of railing against doing for years. And then I finally started forcing myself to say, hey, you got to just double down and do it. And that was the only thing I did for like four months was make Instagram reels. Mm. And the constraint that it could only be 90 seconds is the only reason I got it done. Because mm. it always, I've had the thing where I get assigned an article and I'll just go down the rabbit hole. And unless there's a reason that I I can't make it better, I'll keep trying to make it better.
0: <laughs> it's funny, Stephanie, you use the word constraints. We interviewed Don Hahn, who is a producer behind beauty and the beast and a bunch of other Disney Mm. movies. And he, and I asked him about, man, you're the guy with the purse strings. Now he used to be an imagineer for Disney. And now he's on the other side. Like, does it feel weird telling these artists, they can't do everything they want to do. And he Mm. said exactly, Stephanie, what you said, an artist with constraint, without constraints, will never get anything done. (laughs) So never get anything done. He's like, we'll just keep building castles in the sky. It just keeps going. Len on your end. How do you fight procrastination? Or did you find during your career, you had procrastination?
2: You know, when I was younger, I was very guilty of procrastinating. And you know what I did that broke the habit? Believe it or not, another coworker of mine shared this with me. And actually, he had it on above his desk and he used it to, for himself to stop procrastinating. He had a picture of a dragon on his desk and it had the title. It said, Slay Your Dragons. And that was a constant reminder to him to do all the tasks that you know, don't let things linger and slay your dragons. And I did that myself after he told me that. And it works. It's like whenever mm-hmm. I felt like procrastinating, I would look at that picture of that dragon and it would remind me, hey, get off your butt. You have things you have to do and get them done. I mean, it sounds stupid, but it worked. At least for, it worked for me and it worked for my coworker. It's It was very
1: effective.
0: There's a quote in this piece. I haven't talked a lot about this piece that inspired this this discussion, but there's a quote here. Uh, Zen master uh, Thich Nhat Hanh offers that true success means feeling content with the unfolding of your life. It is, quote, finding happiness in your work and life in the here and the now. Stephanie, did that resonate with you when you read that?
4: Yes, What I would take more issue with in the way the piece was framed was the idea that that is somehow antithetical to striving. I think a a word to borrow from Michelle Obama here that's helpful for me is the idea of becoming. It's becoming connected and content and feeling like you're realizing your full potential for me is something that I, I want to feel every day it feels good not because i'm chasing an arbitrary metric because but because that process of growth is very satisfying and i think it's as part of meaning making that we do as humans just like we grow in our relationships we grow with the things that we value and i think that's the reason you see people who are incredibly successful particularly in the arts, they'll create for the remainder of their careers, not because they need to win some more kind of awards, not because they need more money, but they are called to that. So I think there's something to having both.
0: I think as you're talking, it just it it reminds me of something I heard a few months ago, Stephanie. Which was, uh, it was a and once again, I wish I uh, I wish I could quote this person because I think this is pretty brilliant. It's us is a verb instead of us is a noun. When we think about mm-hmm. ourselves as a noun, we're a set. This is what I am. I'm this mm-hmm. pillar, this edifice, and I'm not. I'm this moving motion thing. And this this particular person, and again, I wish I knew who it was. This particular person though said that professionals professionals do the thing and they take pride in the fact that this is what I do. So I'm a human being in action. I'm not the end result An amateur looks at the end result and gets all freaked out and procrastinates because they want it to be perfect. The professional just does it every day. That's what they do. I remember listening to a show about a TV writer and he's like, I write TV and we, we we got a new show every week. I don't have time to procrastinate. Like I got to it's that same external deadline thing that you're talking about. Let's pivot this away from workplace to money. I mean, obviously making money is what we're talking about here with what we've discussed so far, but a lot of people listening to this think they might not be great with money and it might freeze them from opening a Roth IRA or heck even a savings account or whatever it might be. Len, how do you in areas of your financial life where you think you might not be wonderful still get around that and make some pretty savvy moves?
2: well like in investing that's one of the biggest ones it's, it's and we go back to the delegates there's certain things that I want to invest in that I'm just not good at you know I want to get into a certain sector or something that I'm not I don't know who to choose what what companies to pick and I don't want to spend the time that it takes to do the research so I delegate out and I get a fund that's managed by a an expert. You could also go
0: right to the index fund, Len. I mean, you could really, in a lot of, you know, for a lot of people, you could go right to an index fund with that, buy all 500 companies.
2: You're right. You can do that. But if you're looking for better returns, if you're trying to beat the index, you know, you're trying to beat the nice, comfortable uh, return of an index fund and you want to you do better than that, then you have to, you really have to do some research. For that, you need experts. So um, that's just one area. Um, another thing I will do is like, For example, with the perfect being the enemy of good, when you're like comparison shopping, I know a lot of people that will comparison shop, they're they're shopping for things and they will spend months trying to find for like a car or something to find the exact best price, you know, to save that extra $100 to get before they pull the trigger on that car. Is it really worth it for, you know, to save that extra $100, uh, you know, get two or three estimates, four estimates and you're done. Don't spend you know, four months researching a car. If you want, you need the car, get the car. What's a couple hundred bucks on a huge $40,000, $50,000 purchase, right? So that's another thing.
0: I think about people as you're talking, people uh, missing $100 bills because they're so busy picking up pennies, you know? Yeah,
2: right. That's right. Yeah.
0: Paulette, how about you? What do you do money-wise to... I think
3: just automate, you know, and get social with it where you have some kind of accountability, some kind of external accountability. I mean, um, God, there's a, a like an ADHD and neurodivergent finance group that I just joined on Facebook. And it is very enlightening and in a way feels great.
0: And they're constantly changing the subject?
3: No, they're all about like how much credit card that they have and how much they spend on stupid stuff over and over and over. And you're just like, oh,
0: oh my yeah. God.
3: I belong here and this is the last place I really want to belong with like everyone who keeps just like feels hopeless. So it's just like continuing to come back to square one, you know, and automate as much as you can. And
0: you said before you use like a robo for some of your stuff, right?
3: Yeah. So I do Betterment and send my like $100 every week and send payments to credit cards every week. And, you know, and then you just start to see your bank account without that money or your paycheck without that money as the floor, you know, you just adjust and you're so used to not having that. So I think that's really helpful. And then just getting help where you need, like my formula for outsourcing are things that are really important and things that I've always struggled with. So I have a personal trainer that I work with because I've always had a hard time like making myself work out. And so now I like work out five to six times a week. It's great. And it's just like, I know Hamilton's waiting for me. So um, that really helps. And then, you know, just things like having I a very important meeting. I you were telling me meeting. you were
0: going on a Broadway show. Hmm? I thought when, you, when you said Hamilton's waiting for you, I'm like, so you're working out, so you're going on a Broadway show? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Hamilton lives in Columbia. <laughs> because I work out six days a week. Oh, it's a different, it's a purse. I got it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, and then with yeah. a very important meeting, I know I have people waiting for me to meditate and get my writing done. And, you know, just creating those structures. And I think that the more like when we're bad at something, we want to run away. And that's where you really have to kind of, you know, actually lean into it. I heard this thing about how like Buffalo know that if a storm is coming, they run toward the storm because they'll get through it faster rather than running away from it. Right. So it's like you have to run toward the storm and just be like, and, and that's where that vulnerability comes in and being willing to say, I really struggle with this and I need help.
0: It's a great analogy. I love that analogy. I'm going to steal that from you, Paulette. I'm going to Google it and make sure I got it right. Whether it's right or not, I heard uh, someone recently say, "Run toward the stress." You know, if there's a stressor in your life, run toward it, meet it head on, be vulnerable, find help. I I absolutely love that, Stephanie. How about you? You you hear this from people all the time, right? I mean, when I was on your show, you've Mm -hmm. got every week you've got somebody who's trying to solve a problem. What's a truth you found there?
4: I find people think of themselves and their financial situation as a reflection of their identity and who they are as a person, as opposed to a behavior that like every moment is an opportunity for a new behavior. But if you internalize something as your identity, it's a fixed, like you think of identity as fixed. And if you attribute your money habits or outcomes to that, instead of to behavior, it's very hard to make changes. So one of the ways I get people to break out of that is to identify what they're doing right. And I don't care how small it is. I don't care how much debt they're in. I don't care, you know, what they think is the worst situation they've gotten themselves into. There is always something they're doing right. And it's much easier, I find, for people to start building from that space than it is to start building from a place of I'm just bad at money and it is the way it is and it will always be. And I think for me, a lot of is about being curious. Um, you know, we were talking before about getting over procrastination and I talked about constraints. And sometimes I think we hear money advice and if somebody said, oh, add constraints, people be like, well, that doesn't work for me. And that's okay. Like, just get curious about what does. For me, like, body doubling doesn't work. I know that. I know that for me, trying to do, eat the frogs, lay the dragon, it doesn't work. And I think for a lot of us, when it comes to money, we hear these things, and we're like, "Oh, it doesn't work for me, so that means that, it, that that confirms my belief that it's me, that I'm bad at money. Where instead, if I get curious about it and I think about, okay, where is this pattern showing up? How does it keep happening? How does it make me feel? What happens before? Maybe then I can find what actually is going to work for me.
0: It's so much more fun because then it becomes a, a science experiment, Stephanie.
4: It is, and it's a and, and you can't solve that in a spreadsheet, right? And it's hard because oftentimes that's where we do a lot of the work, but you got to get out of the, the cells of the spreadsheet to figure
1: out a lot of this stuff.
0: Diana, how about you?
1: You know, the thing that I think is so cool about money is that it is literally the only thing in life that you can completely mess up and still be totally fine. You can lose all your money. You can go through a bankruptcy. You can get into a ton of debt. You can make bad business decisions and lose your business, right? I mean, this happens to people. And there's a lot of shame around that. Money is an impersonal, dispassionate tool, right? You can screw it up and you could fix it. You can't say the same thing about relationships, your health, the things that are really important in life. And so I think people get confused about that, right? They see money as a goal and they see money as a representation of their self worth, right? Don't confuse your net worth with your self worth. People confuse that and it just creates a lot of shame and a lot of negativity versus just recognizing that this is all fixable. So for me, I really agree with Stephanie that, you know, when I started figuring out my money situation, I was letting my curiosity be bigger than my fear. And I ran the credit report and I saw that I was 30 grand in debt and I had no idea. That was a wake-up call. But if I didn't have that curiosity to just look, then I would have never been able to start the process of unraveling and then rebuilding.
0: I love this idea too of working from a place of strength instead of trying to fix yourself. I get some great coaching from a group called Strategic Coach, and that is was one of their first lessons when I started with them a few years ago. Was if you're going to always work on the things that you suck at, you you might come up to the middle. But if you work at what you're great at, you will have exponential results. Plus, it's so much more fun, you know, working from what you actually enjoy doing. It's been a fantastic conversation, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out and for having this. I think we hopefully inspired a lot of people today. Let's find out what's happening where all of you are. Uh, Let's start today. Paulette, we'll start with you.
3: What's going on in the Paulette Perhatch world? Well, worked on a piece for the New York Times about the future of chat GPT and financial advice. So that was really interesting. Yeah, but if you had,
0: I mean, writing for the New York Times is fine, but have you ever had Kentucky Fried Chicken delivered to your home?
3: Well, listen, I mean, I'm not like a staff a staffer. Okay. Or like an editor, then maybe I would maybe. just, I'm, I'm a mere freelancer. Okay. I schlep it over to Kentucky fried chicken to dig through the trash cans outside. I said see if that anyone- specifically
0: to get a rise out of limpenzo and it's not happening. He's just, Nope. It's still not happening.
3: Anyway, <laughs> sorry, Paulette.
0: So <laughs> peace for the New York times. That's all big deal. What else you got going on? <laughs>
3: And, um, working on coaching and your personal editor and helping people become better writers. And that's been great. I'm on, I've had 75 coaching clients now on my 75. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Those are
0: 75 lucky people. If somebody wants to be number 76, where do they go?
3: <laughs> Thatwriterpaulette.com. There Thank it you.
0: is. Diana, you just had a guest on the podcast uh, with us.
3: I just had a guest, What? You just showed us a guest. We had a guest
0: on the podcast.
1: Oh, um, that was literally two seconds ago. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, my cat wanted to join the show. <laughs> That's Nibbles. She's a Short-term
0: memory loss, uh, area <laughs> right there. Like who? <laughs> nibbles. Nibbling away at your... Got to say that real carefully. <laughs> yes. 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 Diana.
3: The... Your Nibbles are showing. <laughs> Diana, the... <laughs>
0: the next year's economy conference. If people want to get in on this, I think they should move quickly. Where do we go?
1: So economyconference.com. And remember that economy is spelt with an M E, not an M Y. And we've got a special offer for stackers, 10% off with the discount code stacking Benjamins, all caps, one word. We'll get you 10% off. How
0: awesome is that? Because we know Diana. We got you a special deal. Joe's
1: mom's she negotiated that for you on your behalf.
0: She
2: did. We can't do that. Mom did. <laughs> yeah. Diana, thanks so much.
0: Mr. Penzo, what's going on at lenpenzo.com? Well,
2: first off, I'm wondering if Diana could have picked a longer, I mean a shorter discount code. I mean, why not anti-disestablishmentarianism or something? I mean, my goodness. <laughs> it should have been Joe's mom. It would've been off in the Joe's mom. Your keyboard runs out of power before you get <laughs> well, the coding. We in. can
1: change it, but we published it already. <laughs>
2: We've already published
0: it. Oh, well, okay. have yeah, we've, well, we've already said it elsewhere. Otherwise, Joe's mom would have the next year died it. Right, Joe's
1: mom it is.
0: Joe's <laughs> mom. That'd be so funny. But for this year, it's Stacking Benjamins, people, all caps. All right, what's going on at LenPenzo.com?
1: You know what? I, you know, I'm
2: talking about junk mail this week at LenPenzo.com, and I found a great way to stop it. If So if you still get tired of getting all that crappy junk mail in your mailbox, I've found a couple solutions that – I have tried out and I can already say they work 100%. So stop on by lenpenzo.com and find out. Is it give everybody your neighbor's address? Is yeah. that it? <laughs>
3: I need this. There's this horrifying like coupon mailer that's always folded in the same way. And on the rounded folder on the top, it's some kind of life alert thing. But it's always this woman like mid fall in the shower making this horrifying face. And so I opened my mailbox and she's like, "Ah!" and I'm like, oh, my God, stop sending me this. It's like once a week for months now. I'm like, if I have to see this old woman falling in the shower one more freaking time, I'm going to kill someone. So. That, yes.
2: that's, not, that's not funny, Paulette, because that's not junk mail for me. That's, that's the stuff I keep.
3: <laughs> Listen, I don't know how I got on the same list as you, Len, but they have their demographics incorrect.
0: Paulette's getting your mail, Len, apparently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's it. I
3: mean, when the, I'm getting that like, you know what, as I'm getting the solo choker, they're like, you know, de-choke yourself. They're like, we see you signed up for dating apps again. Have you considered not dying in your apartment next time you order KFC by yourself? <laughs> delivered should you get a big check in the mail some kind of windfall here here's how to not be eaten alive by your does cat does
2: hamilton know you're doing this as you this? choke out <laughs> on a biscuit
0: stephanie you guys have amazing conversations at Money Confidential, but do you have conversations that involve KFC and not joking yourself out? I
4: mean I'm there. really trying to reflect on it. Probably not <laughs> we we gotta step up our game to match what's happening here.
0: I guess I guess so. Thanks so much for finally hanging out with us. It's about time.
4: Well, thanks for the invite. It's a pleasure.
0: Well, you gotta tell us, you know, nobody's listening, it's just us.
4: Yeah, right. What's
0: what's something secret that's happening at Money Confidential nobody else knows about that you can break
4: here? <laughs> Wish I had something to tell you. I've been like racking my brain. I was even going back through my Instagram as you were all sharing updates, and I was like, I don't know. The last thing I did about anything, I went to the Galapagos. Okay, (laughs) I mean,
3: just the Galapagos. That's a
4: holy. Just the Galapagos, but it's not really, you know, cutting. It's not writing for the New York Times.
0: Well, if you're not going to break anything here, then Stephanie, we'll just tell people to go, just Hmm. pause, and go and subscribe or follow. Money Confidentials. and it's wherever a, you get your podcast. It's a Webby winning podcast, and it's long overdue. Fantastic and that is stuff.
4: news that just happened. Congratulations! It's
0: so amazing. Yeah, it was great when I saw when I saw that you and Nicole Lappin, who's another person I absolutely love, uh, were up. I was like, you know, those are not the usual names that you see mm-hmm. for those awards. And I was like, these guys are actually paying attention.
4: I was shocked. I had no idea this was coming.
2: It was super, Stephanie, you've got to uh, follow the Stacy Johnson uh, rule though now because now that you've won that Webby, you have a nice shelf back there. I can see, and it's the Webby true. is not prominently displayed. <laughs>
4: I got it. You know what though? You know what the issue is? It's technically not my shelf. <laughs>
0: oh, but they got to uh-huh. send you a statue, right? You got to get a statue.
4: It's I your. Know. For- We've won a few awards, and I haven't received any of them. You know, yeah, one star.
3: One of the things is you can just buy yourself an award. You can buy yourself a trophy. Like, I've thought about when yeah. my imposter syndrome – I'm going to go manufacture some trophies. Yeah, like, when my imposter syndrome flares up, I'm like, I want to get myself two of those corporate awards. It's to say, like, a million reader viral story, considering I got, like, $200 for the first one and $440 for the next one. Like, I want a damn trophy. I want a trophy <laughs> so that I can remember – that I did that because it's so invisible <laughs> because I actually am the best. I'm not just striving. <laughs> yes. And at least I know it. Right. We're,
4: yeah. contru- we're contradicting ourselves yeah. here.
0: All right. It's time for us to go. Unfortunately, guys, uh, man, there's a lot of takeaways today, but Diana, I think, can you distill it to three? What should we have learned today?
1: First, take some advice from our panel. What's more important getting the thing in front of you done. As Joe's mom says, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. And second, you can't bully yourself into being a better person. It just doesn't work. So how about being a little nicer to yourself? But the big lesson? It turns out that you've got to drain the green bean cans before you put them up to your ears if you want to hear anything.
0: That's the way it works, Stephanie. That's the way it works.
1: Lesson learned. Thanks to Stephanie O'Connell Rodriguez for joining us today. You'll find her show Money Confidential wherever you're listening to us right now. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Thanks also to Paulette Perhatch for joining us. Need help with your writing or editing to power up your messaging? Head to thatwriterpaulette.com. And thank you to Len Penzo for joining us. You'll find Len as always, at lenpenzo.com. We're glad you joined us today, but want to hang out in person with other like minded individuals? My party about money called the Economy Conference will be in Cincinnati, March 15th through 17th of 2024, and tickets are already selling fast. In fact, one hotel block is already sold out. Head to economyconference.com to join us and use code STACKINGBENJAMINS, all caps, one word, for 10% off. You're welcome. This show is the property of SB Podcast LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Joe Salcihai with help from me, Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast, and Lacey Langford from the Military Money Show. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of the show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators. And Gertrude is the room mother of our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's cousin, Diana, from the Economy Conference, and we'll see you next time back here on The Stacking Benjamin Show. Well,
0: stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have
3: Stephanie, I just put into like chat GPT. I'm like, I'm writing an article about this, this, and this. Like, who should I interview? And you were one of the the people that it recommended. What?
4: Wow. That's wild.
3: This is the chat
0: GPT version of Len Penzo right here.
3: (laughs) Chat (laughs) LPT. That's pure
0: AI. (laughs) LPT. There's got to be some other chat. Like, there's a joke there, Paulette.
3: I hate them for naming it that. Like, you know, we're all going to say it over and over. Why would you make us say something so clumsily? (laughs) So we just call it chatty internally. There's
0: got to be the three letters. There's like a joke that's three letters that, I don't know, it's right there. Chat. Chat. (laughs) OPP. Chat. I don't know. Yeah. We did that joke.
2: All right. Len, how are you, man? I'm great. I expected you to come back speaking Spanish. (laughs) Yeah, 18 days and I'm
0: fluent. I'm very fluent. (laughs) Awesome. I am fluent in the word roja.
3: Why? Like, what happened?
0: L- like more Roja, please.
3: Oh, the wine. Por favor.
0: <laughs> yes. No.
3: In Colombia, this is my favorite. So randomly,
4: yeah. I Paula was in Medellin. Very good spot. Aaron
3: was like, hey, my friend Stephanie's about to be in Medellin, or I was like right outside of it. So Stephanie ended up coming out. And we're riding horses, and someone says, like, oh, they call this like an air potato. And I was like, oh, cool. And I look at it and I hand it to Stephanie. And then I turn back to the guy and I was like, I was like, Ise come? Like, and people eat it, and he goes, No. And then I just hear, <laughs> and Stephanie had taken it bite and was
2: spitting it. out. <laughs>